Polyhedron is a production of Headcanon Games, LLC. Please bookmark Headcanon Games for the latest in Polyhedron news. Polyhedron is sponsored by listeners like yourself. If you'd like to become a patron of Polyhedron, please go to patreon.com slash polyhedron. Now, on with your show. Welcome to Polyhedron, your multifaceted podcast for everything RPG-related. I'm your host, Matthew, and as always, I have my two go-hosts here, Ryan. I'm sitting in the wrong chair, and I don't like it. And Scott. Well, I'm in the good chair, and that's just fine. <laughs> Fuck you, Scott. Okay, I guess this is going to be uh, uh, Thunderdome then, all right? It's about well, antagonists. Yeah, so yeah, it's about, it's about bad guys, so I had to, I had to, to throw a little... Little little fuel on the fire, a little magic spark. Oh, All right, so All right, we're works. getting started on a, <laughs> on a good note. Um, uh, I'm, obviously, everyone's doing well. We're uh, in the uh, doldrums of the holidays. Everyone's sort of grinding back up to speed at work and at home. Winter, well, winter decided to show up and then fro- and froze everything. <laughs> yeah, uh, as, as I believe we've mentioned a number of times, we're in Atlanta. And uh, as I believe anyone who was paid attention to the news a few years ago, Atlanta can't, can't handle the cold. Nope. Um, it wasn't as bad as uh, previous Snowpocalypse. It's a complete, it's a complete lack of infrastructure to handle it. It's not yeah. really the people. It's fault. much better now. It's much better now because the government, they, their asses got red over oh, they, that one. They, three they, years learned, ago. they learned their lessons. It's you still know. not economically viable to have the infrastructure to actually solve the problem. Mm-hmm. But just telling everyone not to go outside after a certain yeah. point and just you know that that works out pretty for well, a day I'd or say. two yeah because wait five minutes and the weather changes gotta get That's... the bread and milk man yeah. but anyway that uh, has nothing to do with uh, anything we don't really have much news uh because i said it's the doldrums of the holidays a lot of people aren't generating new content they're not announcing things but i do want to go ahead and give a couple shout outs the first is to our patrons or our patron to kaylee chambers uh, again thank you very much for supporting the show and everyone who uh, wants to be as cool as kaylee can go to patreon.com slash polyhedron and support us today become one of our bosses so that we can make the show bigger and better um, and you can always send feedback and other such things uh, to polyhedronpodcast at gmail.com um, also, on Twitter, uh, I'd like to thank everyone who is starting to follow uh, not only Headcanon Games, but Polyhedron. Um, recently, we got a shout-out on Headcanon Games from a gentleman known as Brian Brushwood. He's an incredible podcaster and entertainer. Uh, he does Night Attack and a dozen other shows. Please go over there, follow him on Twitter, go over to YouTube, follow his Modern Rogue channel. Um, really go out and show support. He's a great guy. He's really fun. You will not uh, regret doing that. Um, but we'll go on to our main topic, which is villainy. Antagonism and villainy and bad guys and all that good shit. <laughs> how, how appropriate. Yep. Yeah. How to be the bad guy. Um, it's, 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 it's actually harder than it sounds. It really is. Um, At least doing it in an entertaining way. I, mm-hmm. I mean, having... You know, tabletop role played for like fifteen years now. Mm-hmm. Oh, sweet Jesus! Thought about that. Too <laughs> long. Um, oh, you wouldn't want to compare eight uh, years no, now. We don't have to do the. Uh, you're older than me, so your life sucks more. Day <laughs> thing. I don't. I don't need that. But um, yeah, it, I've had some really awful, awful antagonists. Like even from GMs who are pretty, you know, solid enough. It's just writing a good bad guy is hard. It really is. Right. Um, you really have to make a balance between uh, being a competent threat uh, and being, you know, just waving your dick around. But um, you also don't want to be, like, so monumentally powerful that the players don't feel like they can do anything. Yeah, I mean, that's that would be the waving your dick around option. Yep. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's a tough balance. Um, I think, in general, my philosophy was if you're going to have... If, if you, I mean... If you are going to make a powerful antagonist, which not all not all antagonists have to be powerful, uh, some of them can be easily overcome uh, and whatnot. But if you are putting together a powerful, meaningful threat uh, to your players, um, always at least have one weakness in mind, um, mm-hmm. one one avenue. Um, for example, uh, in a LARP uh, that I ran, uh, a fairly fairly consistent antagonist that uh, that I uh, I portrayed. Uh, was 
pretty around, pretty pretty powerful. He was I considered him kind of a town antagonist, but he always had the weakness that you know that you could always use diplomacy against him very easily. Uh, not necessarily because he was a slouch in the terms of diplomacy, but his ego said, "Oh, you're coming to the you're coming to the to the to the party game. Mm. You're, you're coming to play." And that that meant, you could distract him with socialization. Yeah, exactly. You could, if you were being civil with him and polite with him and whatnot, you could get so much more done than if you tried to like stab him in the back or mm-hmm. or, uh, or or try and like muck with him directly. Yeah, and, and uh, that that was that was his that was his weakness, and many players picked up on that. Yeah, being, and, being polite. Uh, yeah. it's a great weapon. <laughs> yeah. Surprisingly enough, it's, it's almost a, like a good message for life. Oh, yeah. LARPers especially. Yeah, yeah they kind of they kind of can. Hey, it turns to... out that being polite to the NPC sometimes gets you way further than sticking your, you know, your phallic symbol into him. <laughs> and to go back a little bit, uh, when we we're saying antagonist in this context, we're generally saying uh, something more along the traditional villain role, mm-hmm. not a literary antagonist. Though those can exist in your role playing game. You can have people who are like who are rivals, but aren't exactly threats to the group or the party. Uh, in general, so when we say antagonist, we may use it a little interchangeably. Yeah. Um, I'm sure our audience is smart enough to understand which context yeah. we're using. Well, I think I think all all interesting antagonists um, have an, at least an element of the classical antagonist, and that, uh, and I believe we've mentioned this before, the classical antagonist is not necessarily the bad guy; it is the character that forces the protagonist to change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that 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 if you want to step to this, if you if your jimmies are rustled enough, and you want to actually do something about this person, place, or thing, you are going to have to change, grow, do things differently than you normally do. Which and is that which is, is interesting. Uh, which is actually just sparked off my head. Um, I've noticed that a lot of characters, and they're through them, their players. Their characters, they do a lot of people have when the characters they have a sort of a mythos in their mind. They're mm-hmm. like, my character is about X, Y, and Z. That's great, but how do you get a player and their character to change? Because a lot of them are like, well, I don't want to listen to you. I'm not going to talk to you. I'm just going to do what I do because I want to play. This is the type of character I want to play. So how do you challenge that? How do you get that? Well, I mean, it's, force the issue. Yeah, you yeah, force okay. the issue. You you, you basically say. Okay, you can do that, and that's a good solution for a great number of problems. But it's about identifying, uh, well, a um, little bit of personal personal backstory. Um, uh, I uh, I through virtue of various careers uh, career opportunities that I had had in the past received a bit a bit of sales training. Um, he also and, received a nemesis, but that's a story. For yeah, that's another, that's another time. It's it was still part, an ongoing. It process. was part of the sales training. It was like they put me in it's this the other. IRS. Yeah, it's the IRS. But anyway, uh, a technique of uh, of sales training is you identify the person's pain. Mm-hmm. You like what do they want? What do they desire? What is causing them? What what do they not have? Or what is, what did what problem do they have? That you can leverage to get them to buy a useless piece of crap X, okay. um, and that is applicable. Um, like you, you identify what is it that this person, this character, um, regardless of what their normal modus operandi is, you say you identify what will get their blood up, what mm. will what will get them motivated, what 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 will they truly wish to accomplish, and if you want to take the route of the classical antagonist, you make achieving that or overcoming that or uh, acquiring that uh, difficult, if not impossible, to use their normal means mm-hmm. uh, to, to, to go about doing it. And, and it forces them to take a step back, think outside of their own personal box, and come at it from a different angle. Sort of like basically using their weakness against them to mm-hmm. force their change into the character it comes knowing it, it can help to know your table a little oh bit yeah because absolutely there are certain people at the table who have certain value sets if you know their value sets you can maybe put something that pokes at their value set for a good example of this one uh we were playing a fantasy flight star wars game uh, for another podcast that unfortunately did not uh, take off or it might one day who the hell knows but uh we all realized a little bit later on like that well, I think the GM realized long before we did that we all had some form of slavery mm-hmm. <laughs> stuff in our backgrounds, like either were was one, 
sold into one, sold them, transported them, hated it. That's something. We all didn't like it very and much. And they didn't like sand either. And, yeah. Well, it gets yeah. everywhere. It gets everywhere. <laughs> and so, of course, he just like, there's a slavery plot line. Mm-hmm. This antagonist is a slaver. Mm-hmm. He's a bad man. Yep. And also, you can't just go blow his shit up with your ship. His guns are bigger than your shit. Yeah. Guns. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? So he flooded this place with poop. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That'll get him. Whackity schmackity do. We ended up uh, breaking into his resort hotel where you hunted, where you hunt the most dangerous game. Uh, not really, because they were, you know, just slaves. And, uh, you know, blew up his, his little spaceport, freed all of his slaves, and then flooded it with uh, fecal matter from the, <laughs> from the well sewer system. Uh, well done. But it was, it was a wonderful little heisty adventure. <laughs> I like it. I like it. But yeah, no, that's a prime example. That's a prime example of... of you build an antagonist around where your characters are weak or where their passions lies. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you, you either make the choice of, well, is this, is this going, is this going to be resolved by their normal means or are they going to have to, uh, to, to put some effort into it? Uh, and another thing is even if you don't have an antagonist, that's like playing on the weakness, as you said, they also have passions mm-hmm. and be, maybe their normal motor operandi can solve the problem, but they can't do it alone, which mm-hmm. obviously you have a group. So therefore group dynamics are important and getting your buddies at the table to help you overcome this bigger, better threat. Sometimes that is. Gondor has to call for aid. Man. Sometimes yeah. it really does. Uh, it's, it's well, here's the thing. We're kind of talking in a very sweeping sense of things mm-hmm. scope and scale matter a whole whole bunch for how big is the threat of this villain right if you're like if okay and using dungeons and dragons terms if it's level one maybe the great dark lord who rules over this entire <laughs> land not your you know tar- target number one mm-hmm. like he's not you're kind of off scale there mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. that's like It'll get a little boring if everything well, if you ever if, do. Well, like, yeah, no. If you're level, if you're level, if you're level one, then maybe your maybe your nemesis is the level five bandit leader. Yep. Or Which, the or the 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 or the goblins like literally just the goblins terrorizing your little village in Hamlet, and you're like, well, we need to do something about the goblins. So you get your you rouse up your other level one buddies, mm-hmm. and are like, hey, there's this dude, the goblin over there that has been given a shit. Let's go deal with them. However, yeah, what's that's interesting the, about that is. Yeah. Why were those goblins there? Yeah, why were oh, those... because they were paid off by 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 uh, warlock uh, McGee, mm-hmm. and then you find then then you right. know, a couple levels later you confront warlock McGee. Ah, oh, but why was warlock McGee fucking around? Ah, oh, well, Lich Lord Stevenson. Oh, uh, Lich Lord Steven, fuck that guy. We hate Lich Lord Steven. He makes us fill paperwork out. And then by the time it's level twenty, it's all like, and the fucking red dragon that was behind all of this. It is like, and, and, and that's, that's that's your standard fantasy progression, right? right? Like that's there's not just one antagonist here. There's there's oh there's usually like ten mm-hmm. a series of mm-hmm. interlocking or not. Um, now there are some now when I think of antagonists, when we actually talked about it initially doing this podcast, I always kind of thought of the like that dude where you see him and it's just like, oh, god damn it. Like, yeah, like, yeah. Where he's like, oh, you know this dude's name? You know what he's done? You haven't been able to do shit about him yet. Yeah. But he'll occasionally be like, hey, boys, how's mm-hmm. going? And just run off. And, but, and that's and that's really cool because those types, because then you get to see the tension in the group. Sort oh, of, yeah. You can see the group either band up, you see them form ranks, basically go, we don't like that guy. We, we may be squabbling amongst ourselves, but... We really don't oh, like that guy. Oh, GM pro tip, by the way. If you are going to wag your antagonist's dick around in their faces, like you're just going to like mm-hmm. have the PCs run into this guy, do it in a place where they're not going to just immediately feel okay to kill him or try uh, to. Yeah, that's, that's actually a big issue if you're going to do that. Right, you have to place it. I've been in a situation before where Mr. Mr. Big Bad Antagonist like showed up in the wrong spot and fucking turned his back on me and i'm just like well i have a great bow so i and he's about a hundred what hundred feet away from me mm-hmm. yeah i shoot him yeah mm-hmm. there's no reason what, there's times. nothing there's nothing here <laughs> stopping me my story behind that was uh, uh in the game i used to play force doors um many 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 moons ago that's uh, a good one uh, uh a gentleman named chris tang uh who helped uh Ryan here with his uh, Star Wars podcast. Uh, he was on staff and he was playing one of the bigger bads. I think it was the Thorn of Lines. No, oh, no, 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 Thorn no, no, of no, Lines no, no. Was, was someone uh, else. Uh, 
I forgot oh, his name. Oh, jeez. Um, but it doesn't I matter. It doesn't know, matter. I should know this. He was a big bad. He'd been terrorizing us for a couple of games. And one primitive... I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, one primitive, he showed up and he walked down on Sunday morning by himself. He was basically going down to monologue. And Tang was like, I'm going to monologue because they really won't be able to do much to me. If not, I'll just disappear. <laughs> well, we, <laughs> he comes story. down, he starts monologuing, and then basically, um, because the town was basically run by thugs... Um, me being one of them was uh, just like you know fuck this guy and everyone just started tearing ass into him and he started fighting and fighting uh, and fighting and then um, yeah my, uh, Scott I'll, I'll take over on this part uh, yeah he um, his this character's oh god I can't for, I, I can't remember this goddamn okay. NPC's name but anyway his modus operandi was you know talk shit fuck around whisper in people's ears have the biggest dick on the field and fight a little bit fight, fight a little bit but then he could disappear right like he could uh he could go into the immaterial which means like certain characters could see him but no one could really interact with yeah, him we couldn't hurt him we couldn't touch him basically he was he could just walk away at any moment now also being a dick the whole time because the, you can hear him yeah exactly also so to point out he didn't have his bros with him generally yeah. he's got underlings he had no underlings here so lies that fester lies that i kept calling him festering lies yeah, that's yeah, right yeah. anyway so that game i had my character had bought a spell from my spell school that allowed me to if i got a hit off on him prevent him from going into the material prevent him from running away from five minutes Minute. so that's I, an eon that's an yeah. epoch in LARP, t- LARP yeah. time guys so he he um he's doing his thing he's doing his thing like matthew our friend um uh um, had to be Wade, rob, right? uh, rob. rob our friend rip wade and rob like you come up to me they come up to me we, just... we get in position they start wailing on him i pop him with that spell in the back i immediately get killed Immediately, I immediately oh, sure, get killed. Yeah, oh, it's it's an anti spirit. He was a spirit, and this was an anti spirit spell, and so he just became K K O S. And I re- uh, I remember that you guys were fighting him, and then he did the immaterial thing, he, and Matthew reminded him. And then the, let me let me finish. Yeah. This is my thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm a rules junkie, and so Tang, not a rules junkie, uh, because I know him personally. I can say this. He goes he goes immaterial and walks away, and I'm like. What the hell? Mm-hmm. I know that spirit spell prevents him from going immaterial. He's halfway up to Monster Town. I'm like, okay, I gotta say something because this mm-hmm. is a big deal. Tang, that spell does not keeps him from being immaterial for five minutes. And he was like, really? Yes. And he, and he, Tang was like, walk back down. I was like, okay, everyone get back in position. To okay. his credit. Mm-hmm. To, to his credit, he was very nice, and I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, okay. Three, two, one, lay on. The moment he said it, the look on his face turned from jovial Tang face to utter terror mm-hmm. as the spirit was just like, killing, sir, killing, sir, killing. Basically, if he touched you, you're dead. Yeah. And he just started trying to mow through people because the spirit realized how, what a predicament he was in. <laughs> and we ran his ass. Down. Round about this time, the Duke boys realized <laughs> they were in quite a pickle. He had just realized he un. Fucked he up. fucked up, but yeah, no, that if was. If you're gonna wave your antagonist dick around, yeah, put it in, a, and you really don't want him to die that day, which I strongly suggest again, you should always let your bad guys die. Oh yeah, absolutely. Fuck up too badly. Be prepared to, you know, yeah, think yeah. about that. Um, the other, the other story that was similar lines was when we took out bloody eyes because that was another that was mostly supposed to be a role play encounter. And it turned into a giant riot because I got everyone's blood up and we went after him and he didn't have his boys with him and we we yep. jumped him and it, there were tremendous consequences from that Absolutely. moment. Absolutely. That was one heck of a fight. I was playing NPC during that fight mm-hmm. and I got off I was, was, That was my first game with LARPing <laughs> with these guys. Yay. It was scary. Uh, I, that's a story I only think I'm going to hold on my back pocket for yeah, that's, some other that's time. Yeah, that's that's also time. another right. Anyway, you were you were talking about uh, getting your, your buddies involved and that reminded me of one of my favorite bits from the show Firefly. Uh, which was when uh, when Mal had been captured by uh, the the asshole Lord mm-hmm. uh, and was being had been tortured for a while and then then all then they show up and and, and they're like no this is something the captain has to do by himself by himself it really isn't <laughs> oh okay all right <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's it's good to be also be cheeky also being cheeky with your villains is fun because that entertains the players making them a little bit larger than life is mm-hmm. always good because 
villains they don't tend to work well together that means if they are like a big bad they're going to be pretty powerful they're going to be very capable but they're also going to be very eccentric people because they they got in their position for a reason and Mm. you need to determine what that reason was yeah they should definitely all always have their quirks and their eccentricities affable evil is the best evil really yeah some guy's like oh he's such a bad guy but he is funny (laughs) <laughs> he's funny i could get a beer with him um oh, why don't uh, that is actually a good point if you can make the villain very uh, sympathetic mm-hmm. and on some level on mm-hmm. any level even just being funny can get the players to go well what does my character feel about the situation i like to hang out with this guy but i really don't like him or like, i really i really have to stop him i can't I understand go... that he's terrible mm-hmm. and, the, and you know there's of course one of the best tropes is I was a villain the whole time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a yeah. Trope, um, be be that's careful a with that one though, because you don't want to pull that one out all the time. Yeah, well, it's meant for like one big betrayal. Yeah. Like, yeah, one, exactly. One great betrayal. The and one you, thing you never And suspected. you have to be really careful with that. You can't, you can't, you have to be careful with your information on that. You, you can't, you can't mislead people out of play. Mm-hmm. Essentially. You can't use your authority as a, Game, game staff member or a GM to, like, if a PC finds information out about that person, you can't then go back on that. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to you have to be consistent with your information. You have to be honest with your information on the out-of-play level. In play, you can lie and deceive and trick them mm-hmm. all you want, but they have to be vulnerable to discovery. Yeah, that that's really it. Like, at some point, you can't just be like, well, he did a lot of stuff while you guys weren't around, and mm-hmm. you know he just he's got anti scrying magics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just, know. like if the if the PCs had zero opportunity at any point mm-hmm. to figure out that this this person was the villain or a mm-hmm. villain, it's it's actually less impactful when right it, when it happens because that point just like well, I mean. I guess you have all the power here. You can just make up whatever you want. Yeah, but, but that's not that's that's cheesy and wrong, and it doesn't. It's not, not a good story. It's not satisfying. You want your players, even if your players don't like, if they if they screw up or if they don't do what they need to do, they need to be at least fairly confident that had they done the right thing or had they put the effort in a different place. Uh, that the outcome would have been different. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, it's it, it's all about making things fair and making things yeah. not just overwhelming. For just being like a good screenwriter thing. or or, or uh, what you see on a television or a mm-hmm. movie is, you have to go back when it's revealed that the guy is the villain, the bad guy, or mm-hmm. one of the bad guys. Go. You have to go back and go. Oh, the evidence was there the entire time. Mm-hmm. You just weren't paying attention to it. That way. That way. Uh, it's definitely something crossed my mind because I've been thinking about it because there's a couple of games I'd like to run and some of them do have antagonists that may or may not be in plain sight. Mm-hmm. And it's the idea of I've got to leave clues along the way. I've got to give opportunities to my players to go to maybe discover a, a, a trail essentially mm-hmm. of why this guy is the way he is and if he is a bad guy or that, not. That's something you're going to have to... And that's something you actually have to be very careful of because like... You have to rely on the fact that, or you have to recognize the fact that, no, they're not going to search the room every time, right? Mm. Yeah. You can't draw, if you draw attention to a thing, you're telling them that this is important. You're the camera. Yeah. In in terms of, in a LARP setting, yeah, you can maybe like, well, he has a weird little thing I'm going to do on his desk. That's weird. What the fuck is that thing? But if you're like sitting here at a, a GM's table, like... No one, first of all, no one wants you to describe the inlay on his desk. That's yeah. really boring. You should never do that. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you have to like give them an opportunity where they will already be searching for something, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. you know, just don't point. You can't point it out though, because at that point you're just like, look at this. It's look at it's, it. it's yeah. show your hand, but don't show your hand too much. Yeah, like, exactly. just nudge it just ever so slightly. Yeah. Um, so that the PCs may, they're given the option, an yeah. opportunity, but nothing more than that. You should, have, you should have at least 50% of the puzzle, the pieces on the board. Mm, something like, like that. So that they can, they can start, if they so desire, they can start putting the puzzle together. Mm-hmm. Because um, it's not a visual medium. Really, yeah, exactly. Where the challenge comes in, right? Exactly. Like, 
you, you, because you know the camera is wherever you say it mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the one trick I've learned, I've I've heard about, and I haven't really done it, but I think it's good. If you have play, play, players that are all like, if you the GM like, if the GM points something out, they're all like, "Oh, this must be ultra important. I must know everything about that." It's one thing you can counter that with is start detailing out things that actually aren't important. Oh yeah. So that so the players can go. I have to be cautious of when I put where I put my attention mm-hmm. because I could be just following a red herring that gives me nowhere. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, there's that, but you should also have, you know, things that every you don't want players to feel like they've wasted their time. Like yes. like they they want if if you're going to do something like that, the information that they get should be useful. It might not be useful for the thing that they wanted it to ba- be useful basically for. Basically what we're trying to say here is obfuscating things from players without making them a feel like they've wasted their time. And be like actually making it interesting and giving yeah. them a challenge and not like just leading them by the nose is a fucking plate spinning act. Like, oh yeah, it's a tightrope. It's a tightrope. Tight really well, this is why being do. a GM, being a on staff and running plots and story arcs is hard. It's not easy. It takes a certain particular person with a certain appetites and certain and, uh, certain proclivities that want to do that sort of thing. They like that kind of it challenge. Also, it also helps to remember what it's like to be a player. Mm-hmm. Um, to 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 continually to at least at least in a thought experiment way put yourself in the shoes of a player uh, and and think about like well what if what if I were on the other end of this? How would I feel? Would I, how would I, would I feel about this? Would I would I feel would I feel cheated? Would I feel uh, would I feel uh, enthusiastic about it? Um, like, you know, balanced by the fact of like, yeah, no, if if they you want them to feel okay with the situation, whether they succeeded or whether they, I don't want to say failed, but didn't didn't achieve what they thought they were going mm-hmm. to. Uh, because you want them to be motivated to keep going. And that, that brings me to another point regarding villains and just sort of antagonist be- behavior in general is uh, something that uh, Mr. John Wick, hashtag Wick Dick, um, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, said about, um, uh, about antagonists and whatnot. And he called it the John McClane effect mm-hmm. uh, from the Die Hard movies, at least the earlier Die Hard movies. Uh, John McClane, uh, Bruce Willis's character in those movies, gets the shit kicked out of him. Walks over literal glass, literal, bleeding yeah, feet. Yeah, he he gets the shit kicked out of him. He 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 loses uh, fairly consistently, and then he gets back up and he wins. Yes, and that is a that that is that is very applicable to to, to gaming because. PCs who get the shit kicked out of them but don't like die that builds in motivation that builds in whatnot and that makes their eventual overcoming of the antagonist uh that much sweeter yes um it it and it it's a it is that is another balancing act because you you want to because if you want to employ that tactic that means you're going to have to have those early encounters be significantly weighted mm. towards that that end of, of I'm going to bloody your nose. Yeah, it's like Pyrrhic victories. You need yeah. Pyrrhic victories at the beginning. It's like, yeah, you won. You did what you accomplished, but there was some setback, something else. There was an effect that I mean, had on you and others. Or you just lost. Or or you just straight up like, lost. Like, so. a Pyr- like the, it could be a Pyrrhic victory in the term of, well, you survived. Yeah. Uh, you can try again later. Making them survive is actually a, a, a complex thing because mm-hmm. one, one, you know, the question might always be, well, well, if I'm dealing with this crime boss and I, you know, fuck with his Kool Aid too hard mm-hmm. and he beat and his boys beat me in a fight, what stops them from cutting my fucking throat open? Yeah, so exactly. You really have to think about when you when you quote unquote beat them, mm-hmm. like how did they live through that? Why yeah. are they still up and walking? And and that's also one of the things about like and you can't do that too often. Either. Yeah, you can't it, do that too often. It yeah, it, it it but it is certainly a tactic because I mean I I can't deny that that motivation of well I got my I got my butt whooped. I'm All right. Fu- I'm a fucking kill. Right I'm going to fucking kill him. I'm going to put some more uh, I'm going to put some more uh, more more XP into my into my survival abilities. Uh, and my ass beat abilities, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna get better. I'm gonna I'm gonna step up to this challenge. Um, also, from a mechanical perspective, it, nobody like we're all. It's kind of a weird tightrope act, anyways, when we're all role playing. Because from a GM's perspective, you want to like 
here's the story I'm going to tell you guys. Mm -hmm. And a lot of, you don't want to fudge the roles too much because right. why are we, why do we have roles to begin with? Why right. do we have stats? Why aren't we just collaboratively telling, telling the story? story? Yeah, exactly. But you also, there's also the thing of, um, you don't also don't want to let the chips fall where they may. You mean you may be in a game like that. You, you want that, but yeah. doing that too much can really feel very harsh. Be like, well, your arm got lopped off. Uh, Sorry. I will say that in that regard, that is a um, not a minority opinion. But if you want to talk about the biggest like start fights about religion thing, <laughs> it's whether you're allowed to feel attached to your character or not. Hmm. Whether Ooh. you are actually allowed. Like I, uh, Murphy does a lot of reading about dungeon mastering, mm -hmm. and we're also on a tabletop one shop group on Facebook, and a lot of discussions go on on mm -hmm. there, and like. So, some guy's like, okay, well, this is my first time role-playing. What's some of the stuff that I should know? Like, 50% of it is, don't get attached to your character. And it's like, really? Like, that's what you're going to tell this person who's, like, starting for the first... Well, yeah, it's that... It's paleo bullshit. It's mm -hmm. the, her, her, the dice fall where they may, and you fell in the hole and die. I, I look at it, if, if I'm going to get into this conversation for as sort of a tangent to our mm -hmm. overall villain conversation is... Uh, depending on if you know coming into the table, that's what you're going to play. Yep. Like, if you play a game of Dark Sun... Yeah. Dark Sun's, you're like... hostile setting. Yeah, it's like, this is an ultra-hostile setting. You'll probably die. Or like Dark Heresy or Black Crusade or uh, that. Black that's Crusade actually has a great... I actually think has some of the better sort of balancing. It has an extremely harsh mechanical system, but they balance it out by going, yeah, uh, you want to survive this encounter? You have to burn a resource, permanently burn a resource... But you lived. It's basically right. villain points. You have villain points that mm. let you live to see another day. And actually, that goes back to another aspect of villainy: mm. is what happens if the PCs do beat the villain mm -hmm. and they think they're successful? What are the implications of you going? Well, they survive, quote unquote. Mm. They were able to, for some machination, they were able to live. Just like you would sort of give leeway for a PC mm -hmm. to live in our on a in a deadly or lethal situation. Uh, you know, it's a really, that, and that's very setting dependent because, mm -hmm. you know, if you're in a non-magical setting, shit, yeah. resurrection dead. is a thing. Dead's dead. Yeah. And if you're in D&D, &D, resurrection is a thing. And, you know. I mean, yeah, that's a thing. I mean, there's, there, there's ways of handling that. I mean, if you're in a non-magical setting and in dead is dead, a way you can do that is, yes, you shot me and shot my guy in the head, but I'm a Batman villain. So, uh, or rather, I'm I'm I am a villainous Batman. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so my, my my contingency plans no go now go into effect. Yeah, right. Uh, like, and and you're, you're still fighting that particular bad guy, even though that particular bad guy is six feet under. Mm -hmm. Right, oh. someone who planned ahead of time, and that brings us to like the competency of one's villain. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, that is being a very smart, but not too smart. Terribly mm -hmm. smart, because it would make. It's really, really easy to justify why your why your super awesome villain guy knows every goddamn thing the PCs have done. Yep, who mm. they are, what they're dealing. They have all the intimate details. Like, of course, they have spies and stuff, money, and smarts. But you have to you have to really balance that around. Like, but would they care? Yeah, especially if you're uh, if if like, is your villain even aware? That the PCs think... give a shit about them. Yeah. That's <laughs> or an that they exist. Question. Well, you know, it's like so, there were certain people Sauron didn't really notice. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. There were <laughs> that were working against Sauron the entirety of the Lord of the Rings, and Sauron was like, I don't know. Uh, well, Gandalf yeah, was habits. like, the, yeah, well, Gandalf, habits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. G uh, Gandalf was like, those hobbits are interesting. The ring not working what it's supposed to. Huh. Yeah. Maybe this will work? Question yep. mark. Uh, yeah, it's it, it's also about being smart but not too smart. It's also the idea of you are the GM, you are uh, omnipotent, you have all the mm -hmm. power. Um, you don't want to extend that level of power to your villains because then it feels fruitless to fight against them or do anything. Well, smart them. smart is just another avenue of power. Mm. Like smart is is a thing that you leverage that you balance uh, uh, for. Um, you know, it, it depends on, you know, if you're, if the flavor of that villain is he's really, really smart, going back to an early thing, you have to put in weaknesses that, uh, you know, um, like if you, if your villain is really, really smart, then maybe just overwhelming force. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, right. in, in the case bull of like, through, like, 
blow through all his bullshit, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. the Riddler. Riddler's a good one. Mm-hmm. He's an extremely smart villain. Mm-hmm. Batman has to contend with him, but he can't generally just... He's got to be almost as smart as the Riddler, but in the end, he can, you know, he can beat the crap out of well, anyone. Well, yeah, like, don't put your super smart guy in the same room as your PCs if you really don't yeah, want yeah, exactly. shit to get knocked in. The thing that makes him smart is that he's... Pro- and gotten to this point is that he probably knows... When avoidance is the yeah, smart exactly. tactic. Mm-hmm. Not to be around. Oh, so, yeah, and this gets a little wonky, of course, when there's, like, super technology, magic, mm-hmm. nanotechnology, whatever bullshit you want to... Yeah. It's like, ha-ha, a force field. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, teleport away, bye! Uh, so there's a... Uh, in the Scott Lynch books, uh, the, oh. the Gentleman Bastards books... Uh, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. <laughs> uh, Did we say spoilers yet? They're, the mages in that world are monsters like they oh are, yeah they're incredibly they're human they they were born human but they ain't human Not and anymore. they are their magic is better than you like they are better than you uh they can't be harmed by projectile weapons when they're well, in, in any yeah. form or any fashion however <laughs> yeah they usually use that as an intimidation tactic because if you punch them in the face it just works yeah <laughs> yep. no, no projectile can harm them and uh punching them certainly does work yeah exactly. and they have to you know, use shock and awe, and they have to use, you know, intimidation to be like, haha, you cannot harm me. Because, you know, if you just shoot a guy in the face with a crossbow and it doesn't work, yeah, that's do pretty you really think they're running up and punching him is the right idea? Yeah. Maybe your barbarian does, and that's <laughs> awesome. But... Oh, John. Uh, those are great books, by the way. Uh, they're, they're... Look out for Thorn of Emberlane whenever uh, Scott <laughs> Lynch's <laughs> next relationship fails. Oh, God damn it, Ryan. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. It's true. Yeah. He only writes when he's sad. That's true. Or he gets too sad and he can't write. Right. So uh, it's just the right amount of yeah, sad. Yeah, he needs to find the sweet spot. He, oh, the, he had to rewrite the whole third act, apparently, of the most recent Really? Book, according to, his, according uh, to okay. him and his publisher, and that's like as of last month. Uh, damn it. He said there was going to be seven books in that series. I know. That's son of a bitch. Well, he's on four. He's, this is the fourth one. I'm going to be like... Old. Yeah, that's a lot of yeah. writing. I don't care who you are. Writing one novel is a well, is a feat. I would be I would be a okay if this were the last one. I would be okay with it. Eh, I mean, we'll see. It depends on how it goes. Uh, I like the last one. I know a lot of people had problems with the last one, but we're talking about books. We should yeah, talk about yeah, role playing. We got it's okay to get on tangents occasionally. Um, it's perfectly fine. I mean, know, those books are pretty inspiring. If you would like to, I mean, we have oh, yeah. a. Uh, uh, the D&D game I'm in currently runs in that setting just kind of as a piece of a greater fantasy oh, world. Right. They're, very, they're very good gamer books. If you're a gamer, you will appreciate those novels uh, because they are... It is very much a role-playing group. Uh, Absolutely. Like, like the first book is ju- is a party. It is just a party uh, uh, of, of adventurers. Everyone has three levels in Rogue. Everyone <laughs> has three levels in Rogue. Um, the main character has a couple levels in Cleric. Um... But their god's really weird. But anyway, so yeah, no, they're they're very good books. Um, another sort of antagonistic setup that I really enjoyed uh, was the uh, Dragon Age Inquisition. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that had a very satisfying villain because that villain was very powerful and very intimidating. Uh, but you had that motherfucker on the ropes. Mm-hmm. Like by halfway through the games, like. The situation was indeed dire, but you and your organization and your abilities were no goddamn chumps, and you were ruining his plans left and right, and that was not... You may, like, that villain became more and more desperate. Right. He made and more drastic and irrational decisions it was less to about, get what he yeah, wanted. It was, it was less about chipping away at his... Um, and spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Oh, yeah. It was less about like chipping away at his invincible mas- uh, facade, right? Uh, as it was, you are act, you are getting up in his business, and you are ruining each and every one of his plans. And at the end, he gets desperate, and he you you ha- you have him on the ropes. He's still a very dire threat, but you you've got him. You you got him. You get him. You well, get him pretty pretty good. And going back to the beginning of that game, which was a good example, mm-hmm. is. He kicks your shit in. He mm-hmm. puts his boot on your throat at the beginning, mm-hmm. and you have to flee him. You get all these different groups together, and you're all like, all right, guys, we can do this. We, let's just get together. We can do this. And you find out you can't. At mm-hmm. this moment in this time, he is too big, too powerful, got too much resources backing him. And that's a sort of a thing about agendas that I want to get to, is infrastructure for villains is very important. I mean, very few villains are 
so powerful individually that they can just do everything they need to do. Yeah. A lot of time you need an infrastructure. Look at Darth Vader. He has mm-hmm. an entire empire backing him. That's what makes him a huge threat because he can he has billions at uh, at his command to do things that he needs to get done. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't have to individually do it. And back to Dragon Ages, you have to gather after he stomps on you. You have to gather your resources up, and all the while you're burning his infrastructure down. You're yeah. sneakily learning about him and his mm-hmm. weaknesses, so that when you finally come toe to toe with him, you can go. All right, we got your number. We can do this. Now. I have a funny Darth Vader story. All right, funny All right, Darth Vader story. Um, it's funny. You should mention the infrastructure. I'll think about Darth mm-hmm. Vader. Uh, a very, very, very long time ago. Uh, in a galaxy in the, far, far away? Yes. There was a Star <laughs> Wars game, and we were in a situation in which it's like, well, we are either going to have to do something very drastic, or we're all going to be shot or captured. One of the probably both. <laughs> so our, our Force user, who like invested into Illusion... It's like, well, I have the uh, oh shit button if we really want to do it. I'm like, eh, well, you know, it's that or nothing. So we made an illusion of Darth Vader. Oh shit. <laughs> now, <laughs> it worked. Nice. Absolutely it worked. But there was a small problem. You see, when you make Darth Vader show up somewhere and he's not supposed to be there, it's it's not like the stormtroopers have any fewer communication devices <laughs> in their things. It's not like... and. You know, there's commanders there. It's like, Lord Vader's not supposed to be oh, here. We weren't expecting you, sir. And then they start checking up of why what is Lord Vader here? Or, hey, isn't I thought he was supposed to be. And they call home. They yeah. call home. <laughs> so you have, that works for about 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Um, but hey, if you can make Just it long enough to get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. That also uh, causes the issue of someone probably told him that <laughs> you made it, that someone made an illusion of him. Which immediately gets Inquisitors sent after you, which it did. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah, had to yeah. fight Inquisitors. And then those guys actually move with subtlety and with subterfuge. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that was quite the story. <laughs> that space station is around anymore. Another, another interesting villain technique that, I, that I'm, a, I'm a big fan of is you've got a villain. You've got a long-standing villain. It's someone who you, you're, you're, you're a rival. You uh, have been going toe-to-toe with this person for a great, great deal of time. And you reach some sort of uh, some sort of uh, denouement with that villain. You get to the point where okay, we are ready to take you take you down. And then the real villain shows up. Mm-hmm. Yes. And suddenly, the guy who you were about to kick the shit out of, uh, turn like you turn to him and like, we still have business, but. And then your villain, that your is, your villain becomes your 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 ally. That's so much kung fu, right? There. Yeah, it's like, so that's a kung, kung fu, fu trope. If that, I've ever that seen it, that. The, and and then maybe through fighting the bigger bad, you come to a resolution that does not involve punching with yeah. this villain. And now you have a not a friend, but you know, a friend enemy, a frenemy, frenemy. a frenemy, and a rival. You know? Actually, I like yeah, right. I put that in the context of rival. Rivals are people who just poke at you and mm-hmm. keep. Showing you either your weaknesses or exalting your strengths and basically just constantly tie up your emotions and your passions mm-hmm. because that by their nature of who they are and what they do, that's what drives mm-hmm. you forward. I mean, the relationship in spoilers, spoilers, and <laughs> uh, Marvel Civil War, actually, of between um, Captain America and no, oh. actually, Bucky and Falcon. Falcon. Yeah, yes. yeah, that is a that is that exact relationship. Falcon. Fucking hates Bucky. He yeah, hates he's the like soldiers so much because he he can't he he has filled that position in the modern day what Bucky used to have, and now that Bucky is in the limelight of this entire situation, Falcon's like, no, you didn't just like push. You didn't get Rogers, Steve Rogers, to push me aside. <sighs> oh, bro, jealousy. Uh, but that's a good. That's a good. That's a good yeah, example exactly. of that. Yeah, is like, and that is a very interesting technique because like if you want to try and pull that shit off. Uh, that that's another tightrope right. that you gotta walk. Oh, at that juncture, you can't have made the first guy too heinous. That yeah, isn't... he can't. There, he's got to have be some some sort of redeemable. Uh, <laughs> like there's got to be something something that can be pulled back or, or some grand or skill misunderstanding that because you just don't have a sense of the world uh, and, is you know. And that's actually where I want to go into like the idea of making a sympathetic villain or a villain that you can sort of understand first. Also, uh, probably should have led with this. Also, first thing when designing villains, most villains don't think they're the villains. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They they all all think they're the They have an agenda. They think they're doing the right thing for whatever reason. Very few of them are like, yeah, I'm evil for evil's sake. And 
by making something that has a little bit of sympathy and empathy to it, you can do that switch over without causing too much like cognitive dissonance. Going back to Dragon Age, not mm-hmm. specifically Inquisition. More spoilers. Uh, yeah, spo- <laughs> bit, like bigger spoilers. If you haven't played all the DLC, then then you're you're in, you're in trubs here. Um, Corypheus is not the villain of that particular narrative. Okay. Not the arcing, not the overarching. No, no, no. He was oh, he was a biff. Yeah, he was uh, <laughs> he was a chump from day one. Uh, he was a patsy. Uh, and uh, the real villain of Dragon Age Inquisition and and subsequent DLCs is your good buddy Solus, mm-hmm. which is one of your like initial party members. He's mm-hmm. been with you the entire time. And damn it, if they didn't do a good job of making that villain sympathetic. Once I read, the, once I read the, like read up on all the notes on who mm. he actually was, I was just like, well, I guess that makes absolute perfect sense. Yeah, and, and this and this <laughs> is where and in Dragon Age Inquisition, going back to make sure the breadcrumbs, mm-hmm. if PCs are proactive enough, oh, they yeah. start Plenty. is going. If you talk to if you talk to him, uh, Solace enough, you start understanding his philosophy, his perspective on things, and if you start digging talking with him more and talking to certain other people mm-hmm. more, also you start getting the... some context for why he looks that way also, and acts that way. Also, if you read the histories, like, yeah. if yep. you pay attention to the history of the... In the like, all, the reveal that Solus is a bad guy and who the hell Solus is is right there in the first game. It's actually... Yeah. It's basically... It's not telegraphed or anything, but nope. if you go read yeah. histories and do a little inference here and there... Yeah, yeah, it's all you know there. Exactly all yeah, is. and like and and that is a that 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 kind of ties together almost everything that we've been talking about is, is the character of Solus. He's sympathetic. He was your friend. He's he betrays you. He's not evil for evil's He's sake. He's not evil for evil's sake. He has an agenda that, if you look at it from his perspective, is I wouldn't say perfectly reasonable, but you can understand why he has that agenda and that perspective. Um, I played. I, I played through Dragon Age Inquisition when it first came out, like, buck wild. Uh, there were no walkthroughs, mm-hmm. um, unless I've, like... And so I, I made some decisions and made some choices uh, and didn't exactly get what I would consider, like, my ideal playthrough just because I didn't know what I was doing. So when I, w- when I got all the DLC, I went through and I'm like, okay, I'm going to play this game to get the story that I want yeah. with foreknowledge. Some may consider that cheesy, but I'm Absolutely a big. Absolutely not. I'm no, a big story not buff. Not that you already went through the game. Yeah. Like blind. If you yeah. Not all ones. You no. Yeah. Exactly. So I did that. So That's I played property. a. I played a female elven mage, uh, so I could get the soulless romance option because I knew, knowing what was coming, I wanted it to hurt as much as it possibly <laughs> could. But I also wanted to have that there to so that in those final scenes when you when Solus's true nature is fully revealed that I could put my knives into him because what they did in in the Dragon Age DLC is it was it was about two things wrapping up the Inquisition storyline and, right. and and revealing the the true nature of the villain and setting up Dragon Age Four in such a way that my dick is still hard for it <laughs> even though they have released. No information oh, that's about that's gonna it. be a couple more, at least a couple more yeah, years, I know. not longer. But it's the gonna Inquisition be. Inquisition was a very big game. It was a very big game, and Bioware's doing a lot of stuff. I mean, uh, didn't they? Wait, they do Elder Scrolls. No, 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 no. That's Bethesda. That's Bethesda. Sorry, they all kind of run together for me. At it's some a big point. open world RPG. Yeah, uh, we but, haven't had a we haven't oh, had a few no, of Bio, those. Bioware's Mass Effect. Yes, they? Mass oh, Effect, so Mass Effect Couture, and, all that stuff. Yeah. Andromeda is. Yeah, yeah is they're about to. Andromeda is their next big project, which is interesting. I might, I might give that a shot. Uh, I never got into the Mass Effect games. It's a uh, good clean slate, I think. Yeah, the first and second one are fantastic games. Yeah, that's what I've Third always one's... heard. Third well, one has some problems. It's a uh, Mass Effect of War. <laughs> Mass Effect of War. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, no, so that, that, that is a, Solus is probably one of the better villains mm-hmm. um, in computer RPGs just because you know him and he, he's a friend, he's your ally, he mm-hmm. actually doesn't, he wants to help you all the way against this other villain because he knows that's the right thing to do. Yeah, unquote. it's the right thing to do because he set it he up. Said, he, it's his fault. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he did. He, he, the problems that you are experiencing are Solus's fault. And I don't uh, think there's just a tad little bit of regret in Solus oh, about what he yeah, did. Yeah, he didn't. He's not like, I was right the entire time, perfectly justified. He's like, uh, yeah, I know it had some. I regret a few, a little bit of this. Uh, but, yeah. but I still believe what I believe. Writing yeah. for an ancient, writing for an almost ageless, ancient, million-year-old, 
being can be a little difficult because you have okay. to kind of question whether you, you know, how much do they actually reflect upon themselves? Because mm -hmm. there's always that sort of like, well, if I was an ageless being, I'd probably go completely insane. Yep. yep. Yeah, and that's the uh, that's the idea of you know how do you how do you portray those sorts of things mm -hmm. in your in your thing like vampire, like the the prince he's been around for a real long time and he's probably bug nuts fucking crazy. What a classic! Yeah. He's got something <laughs> one screw loose. He's got at least one screw loose. You want to talk about a classic antagonist? That's, mm -hmm. I mean, the prince of your city. Oh yep. yeah, he uh, will likely be up uh, your ass. How about everyone other every other vampire in your Camarilla city is your antagonist? Yeah. Okay, they're all. It really it, does flip the script, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, <laughs> it's like everyone's a bad guy. White, White, White Wolf Games is just like, yeah, in D and D, you got like, you know, you got like three, three, yeah. three antagonists. You know, it's pretty clear. It's a goblin. It's a goblin. White Wolf, everybody, everyone, everyone wants you dead. Well, everyone's. Well, here's the thing: what what it means to be an antagonist. Everyone's got an agenda, and sometimes that agenda aligns with you, and sometimes that agenda conflicts with you. Um, yeah, those, I mean, Dragon Age Inquisition, Buffy, Angel, those are all really good, like, pop culture references. If you want to know how to run a good villain, anything with Whedon <laughs> is really good. Yeah, well, uh... because his villain, like, he, Whedon's one of his most powerful things, is he's great at dialogue. He's yes. very good at dialogue. So, usually, his even his villains are not going to be, like... You know, snively whiplash, mustache twirling, yeah. jaggy. I mean, and that 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 may be some a technique that can transfer over is give your give your characters an opportunity or two to have an actual conversation with your bad mm -hmm. guy, uh, like like, and not like a not like a Bond villain conversation where they're in a position of weakness, but like something where you know where you can sort of dial down the power dynamic mm -hmm. and, and make it more neutral make it make it more of a neutral thing so such that you know you have an actual conversation and you you have to to to, to bring some stuff to the table and they have to bring some stuff to the table so that you get a better idea of who this bad guy quotation marks mm -hmm. is why he does what he does or find some other way of getting that information into play uh, so that you know they're more three-dimensional and you can understand them uh, and it and it makes dealing with them less of a one-dimensional thing. Yeah, and because I mean, for I won't say primitive or simple, but I mean, pe some people do want a simple story with a simple villain, and that's perfectly fine. But the more work you put into the villain to to get their agenda down, to get them sympathetic on at least on some level, and to make them uh, an understanding and a, an actual challenge and a threat to the PCs can really bring your gaming to another level. I like to see it's much more mature. It's a little more robust and it makes it feel better when you're able to overcome. And when I say overcome, I don't mean just kill. I mean, just remove them as a, as a solid yeah. threat against you and yours. Deal with them. Um, I think this has been a wonderful conversation guys, as always. Absolutely. Um, um, and so if you want to have more of this conversation with us, please give us, as I said at the top of the show, feedback at polyhedronpodcast.gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter. I am at Bioimportance. I am at Arduous, R-J-U-O-U-S. And I am at Divis Malkav. And also we have at PolyhedronCast if you just want to get to the actual show's Twitter account. Um, I already made a mention about the patrons, so that's great. And, uh, and oh, please go to iTunes and any place that you are listening to this and please give us reviews we need to know that we're getting reviews this really helps us out this really showcases the show and then grows our audience again i always want to grow our audience uh, because i want to start more of a dialogue with our audience and we will give you shout outs for those yes absolutely um and so from everyone here at polyhedron go where your fun is go roll some dice